Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Sergio. Crit. My comrade, my friend. Did How you, are you? know? <laughs> I'm Did great. Know hello. <laughs> Hi. Well, hello. <laughs> Did you know that there is a deep, dark aspect to the tower that we have yet to explore? Yeah, I, uh, I don't, you're talking about that one hallway? Yeah. I, I don't go, I don't go by there. You know about the hallway? There. Yeah, it's uh, it's on the way to the bathroom. Like if, <sighs> like when you go into the bathroom, if like like two like after the second door, there's that hallway, and there are like no lights. There's no natural lighting, and I don't trust myself with fire, so I can't <laughs> light a torch, and so I never go down there. And it's cold. It's very drafty. Mm. I did find a dusty old tomb down there, and. Uh... It spoke to me. What what did it speak? What did it say? That's not important. Welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. Hello, everybody. <laughs> so today, Sergio, what have you brought for us of interesting spoopy talki- topics? We are going to talk about vampires. All oh, you oh, blood-sucking yes. Draculas out there. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. But not just vampires, but also the the vampire spawn, which mm. are like, um, I guess, uh, you know, it's in like regular mythology, like you get bitten by a vampire, you become a vampire. But in D&D lore, a vampire spawn is that that's, you would become a vampire spawn if you got bit by a vampire. And it's not until you actually drink the blood of the vampire that bit you do you do you then become a full-blown vampire so wait you're saying we actually have to drink the blood of the same guy who bit us to become full-fledged yep 
Oh, now we definitely need to do a deep dive into these vamps. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, vampires are vampires are a lot of fun. Vampires are. I mean, there's a reason why like Dracula has been popular for you know a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. There's a reason why you know um, like vampires that are like a cultural phenomenon. Like this, the idea of um, of a creature out there, you know, and just like you know, um, like the biting of the neck is such a uh, like intimate sort of assault, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, you know, they're not, you know, attacking you like a, like a werewolf would like, a, you know, with its fangs and its claws, you know, there's something just very, um, like I said, intimate about it, which, which makes it all the more, uh, I guess, uncomfortable, like disconcerting is, you know, that how closely they have to get to you oh, to, yeah. to, to attack. Uh but yeah, so like I said, uh, in, in D&D lore, there are vampires and they are vampire spawn. Um, you know, vampire spawn, they are um, like th- those are what most of a vampire's victims are because uh, they are, uh, you know, they, they um, act and operate just like you would assume a vampire would, you know, they, they are, um, bloodthirsty, mm-hmm. uh, creatures, literally bloodthirsty. They thirst for blood. Um, but they are under the control of the vampire that, that created them. So, uh, that's why they're like kind of called spawns, you know, they, they, uh, they are, uh, like offspring of this vampire and, uh, so if that, uh, actually, it doesn't actually have to be the vampire that bit them, but just any true vampire. Oh. If, if any true vampire allows them to, allows a vampire spawn to drink their blood, then they become a uh, quote unquote true vampire in and of themselves. So then they are no longer under their master's control. So, I mean, that could be um, a like uh, role playing aspect where, uh, you have a spawn that's under the control of Vampire A, uh, but Vampire B is like, I hate Vampire A. Like, I, you know, we got beef. So I'm going to let his spawn drink my blood so he's no longer under Vampire A's control. But now, you know, now we're buddies. Now, like, you know, like, he, I don't, he's not like literally under my control, but he owes me one, you know? Like, we're in cahoots. <laughs> we're in Vampire cahoots. So, um, but yeah, so uh, also, uh, vampire spawn, uh, they become, they, uh, like I said, they're under the control of, of the vampire who created them. If the vampire who created them, uh, dies, then they become, you know, they have free will. They're still vampire spawn. They're still undead creatures, Yeah. but you know, obviously they can't be under the control of, uh, some, something that's, that's dead or, or, un, or undead, dead, <laughs> dead what again. Do you call it when, what do you, dead again, dead again. Uh, so yeah, so uh, really quickly, let's let's jump into um, like the stat blocks for the vampire spawn. Okay, and then we'll talk about uh, like vampire, like true vampires proper. We'll hit up the middle of the show, and then when we come back, we'll talk about vampires as playable characters, which is definitely possible. Um, not just in uh, in a homebrew sense. But there are some like official 
mm-hmm. and and even uh, that completely official. Uh, there is some official and some officially unofficial, some unearth arcana uh, stuff for 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 vampires. Ooh, so vampire spawns. They are obviously they're undead creatures. Um, they're as far as um, uh, like your like um, armor class and, and speed. They're pretty basic. You know, they got an AC of fifteen, a speed of thirty feet. Um, really, what their uh, like their uh, their big perk or their big uh, like the thing they got going for them is uh, regeneration. The vampire spawn regains 10 hit points uh, at the beginning of, at the start of its turn. If it has at least, if it's still, if it's not, you know, at a, at Mm -hmm. zero and isn't in sunlight or running water. Um, So, I mean, 10 hit points, that's, that is quite a bit. Especially if you're in a party of three or four and, you know, if, if it's just one vampire spawn, sure, maybe. But if you're trying to uh, fight off a couple of them or a trio of them, and they're each regenerating at the beginning of every at the, each of their turns, you know, that's something that could definitely, uh, you know, end up being a TPK. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. They um, they do have weaknesses, though. They obviously, like I said, if uh, if they're in direct sunlight, or in running water, they don't get that regeneration because obviously um, they, you know, just like typical vampire mythology, they are uh, weak to sunlight. They take 20 radiant damage uh, at the start of its turn when they're in sunlight. So, I mean, that's something that could definitely take them out in just a few turns. So if you're feeling froggy, Perhaps a grapple check. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> uh, but they also, uh, but also when they're in sunlight, they had di- they have disadvantage on their attack rolls and their ability checks. Same for uh, running water. In the D and D lore, vampires, uh, r- water to them is almost like acid. Think of it like the like the Wicked Witch of the East in Wizard of Oz. Ooh, so you can splash a bucket of water on them. Uh, yeah, they take. Uh, well, it, has, <laughs> it says. Um, well, it says that it's uh, it's running water. Like okay, it's, yeah. It explicitly states in the uh, in the stat blocks uh, in the monster manual that it has to be that it's. Uh, let's see here. It says takes twenty acid damage when it ends its turn in running water. So rivers, things like that. The rivers and the lakes that you're used to, yes. (laughs) TLC, baby. (laughs) Of course. If I could sneak in a TLC reference into every episode, I will consider my D&D career a great success. (laughs) Oh, goodness. So Vampire Spawn ain't nothing to mess with, is what it sounds like. No, absolutely. Not. I mean, their uh, their challenge rating is a five, but um, it's something that you that you don't want to throw at your party as a DM mm-hmm. uh, all willy nilly, because yeah. um, 
yeah, they have they have the weaknesses, but they have the regeneration and they have uh, two attacks, uh, claw and bite. Now they can um, they can claw twice. They can either claw and bite, uh, or they can claw twice. They can't bite twice. They can't, you know, you can't <laughs> you can't chomp two times in a row. That's just come on, I'm doing it right now. That's absurd. Yeah, but you're not a vampire. At least I don't think. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. They have a claw attack, which is, you know, a pl- well, both the claw and the bite are both plus six to uh, to hit, which is wildly absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so the, the claw attack is, you know, your basic slashing damage. But the bite, obviously, you know, being uh, being a vampire spawn, that's the one you really got to watch out for. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's. 1d6 plus 3 piercing damage plus 2d6 necrotic damage. And so then in addition to that, the the target, their hit point max is reduced by an amount equal to the necrotic damage taken. And the vampire regains hit points equal to that amount. So essentially what, you know, you can, when they're biting you know, you can assume they're tearing away flesh and, mm-hmm. and getting some blood. Yeah. And so the character loses some of that life force and the vampire spawn, in, you know, ingests it. And so, and uh, much like we were talking about last week with the, uh, with the ghosts and the banshees and the, yep. uh, so this, um, this hit point reduction lasts until a, until their next long rest. So if they take, uh, 2d6 necrotic damage let's say uh the dm rolls uh a four and a five so they take nine points of necrotic damage you know their hit point max drops by nine. Oh yeah and so if they have 73 hit points they now only have they can only have a maximum of 64 so even after healing even after health uh um health potions healing potions they can only, they they have a cap until they take a long rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like I said, vampire spawn. Like I mean, just based on, I think they're a little um, for their challenge rating of five. I think they're a little OP. I think they're a little overpowered. I mean, this you throw um, two or three of these at uh, even like a sixth or seventh level party of three or four. That's gonna be a that's gonna be a squabble. That's gonna be tough for him. Oh yeah, honestly, I haven't used these a lot for that very reason. The first time I ever used these, I underestimated them significantly because all I did was look at the challenge rating, and this is why it's important. And I cannot stress this enough: to look at not only your challenge rating block, but the abilities and skills that the creature has when choosing as the DM what to throw against your party. Because I wiped out an entire four-person party at level eight using three of these things. <laughs> I felt so bad. I reset the whole thing. I was like, you know what? Mm-mm, we're going to redo the whole thing. That, that was, was a dream. That what was a dream. It? Yeah, it was It was yeah. not a real thing. It was It was from Strahd himself. Um, but lessons learned. And honestly, uh, you know, I, I've been I've been tinkering with bringing, thinking of bringing them back into my DMing. Um, I honestly am terrified to bring these back from that one experience. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, if, if you, if you want to use them in your adventure or in your campaign, 
I would definitely make sure that the party is probably, I mean, if, if you're going to use uh, multiple vampire spawn, you definitely want to make sure you're, the, the party is probably level nine or 10. I or, would even go maybe 10, 11. Yeah. Or if uh, just use the one, just use the one uh-huh. vampire spawn and like maybe like some like some ghouls or some zombies or something. Oh yeah. Or um, you know another kind of creature that like isn't as potent, but would still make sense story wise. Oh yeah. And there's there's different vampire subspecies creatures. Um, you know you've got you know you, you can always have vampire wolves and you know you've got different subspecies that you can throw in there. I would. I would highly, highly recommend if you want to do this, definitely listen to Sergio and use one listen at a time. Listen to me. Just I use know one what at I'm a time. Talking about. <laughs> but nonetheless, we know they are bad. They are brutal. They, yeah, they're they're super bad. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not as bad as the actual vampire, though. This is just like, like a like a photocopied version of a vampire. The vampire yeah. spawn is, yeah. you know, the, va- the actual vampire is, 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 you know, uh, I mean, look, like you mentioned Strahd earlier, the curse of Strahd yes. is literally like the big bad of that is a vampire. Um, and of course, Strahd is the, uh, the most famous vampire in D and D Lord Strahd von Strahd von Zerovich. Um, you know, came to uh, the prominence in uh, the Ravenloft uh, adventure mm-hmm. from uh, from Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Um, did you did you know that he was actually named one of the greatest villains in D anD D history? Oh yeah, I believe that. I absolutely believe that. Oh yeah. Um, you know that's uh, yeah. He's uh, like I said. Yeah, he's. I I I wouldn't doubt it. You know, he's. The, the campaign itself um, is so beloved and well known that you know they they uh, uh, they redid it and uh, revamped it for fifth edition and brought it back and brought it into like the modern age and in fact that's uh in, but like uh, right now I'm running um, with my I have uh, two different D and D three different D and D campaigns if you include the patrons uh, campaign that we run for the, uh, for the uh, lore cast. But uh, personally, I, I'm in two different campaigns and, and one of them we're running uh, curse of Strahd and it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's great fun, but. So I actually, I'm going to, I'm going to give our listeners a little bit of tidbits on him. I Ooh. finally, I've, I've pulled up his uh, forgotten realms, um, the, the fandom wiki. Um, so I want to, I'm going to read this out. And we can talk about this a little bit because we got a little bit of time. Um, so Strahd von Zarovich or Count Strahd was a vampire and the dark lord of the Valley of Barovia and yeah. one of the domains of dread located in a remote corner of Shadowfell. In his youth, Strahd was a prince and a conqueror. After settling down and recently conquered Valley of Barovia, Beginning to feel the weight of middle age sometime before the 11th century DR, Strahd forged a pact with dark powers of Shadowfell in order to ch- achieve immortality. Now, this is briefly discussed in almost 
every single rendition of the Curse of Strahd. Yep. So I'm going to go ahead and continue here because it's starting to get good. The pact involved the murder of his brother, Sergei, so that Strahd could take Sergei's wife, Tatiana, with whom he had fallen madly in love. Now, again, this is another important tidbit to the Strahd campaign. Yep. The pack sealed. Strahd chased Tatiana through his gardens in an effort to force her to love him, eventually driving her to fling herself off a cliff to avoid him and causing her death. Strahd tried to end it all, but remained alive, undead and a vampire. The entire valley was swept into the shadow fell and turned into a prison from which he could never escape. So this is this this is the beginning of it all for Strahd. Yeah, the that's the beginning of it all. And boy, is it a brutal beginning. <laughs> yeah, and you know Strahd could be considered the Dracula of Dungeons yeah. and Dragons, like uh, the the you know the beginning and the like tentpole for vampires mm-hmm. in in D anD. Yeah. Um. So in the year of the wandering elf maid or 1072 DR Jander or yonder. I never could figure out how to pronounce that. <laughs> I always pronounce it yonder. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go with or yonder. Jander. Jander. Yeah. Uh, encountered Anna, a fragment of Tatiana's soul who had been trapped in an asylum in Waterdeep for almost a century and there's this, this again, everybody listening, this is just tidbits from the actual um, canon storyline. If you want the whole storyline, you really need to play Curse of Strahd. Yeah. And there are book series about the Curse of Strahd. So I would highly recommend reading those as well. After years looking after her and failing to turn her into a vampire to prevent her death, in the year of the Rose, 1098 DR, Yonder was transported to Barovia by the Dark Powers, vowing to take revenge upon whoever had been responsible for her fate. There, he befriended Strahd, then still an inexperienced vampire, and over more than 25 years taught him much of the vampiric skills, including the ability to communicate with and control animals. So, essentially what this is saying is Yonder taught Strahd, befriended him and taught him. Yeah. After discovering the true nature of Strahd, Yonder attempted to destroy him, but ended up only sever- severely injuring him. He threw himself into the sun to end his misery afterwards, but instead of dying, was transported to the adjacent domain of Forlorn. In the late fifth, yeah, <laughs> in the late fifteenth century, Dr. Strahd confronted Min- Minsk, Boo, Delina, Kreidel. Shandi and Neris in an attempt to recover a locket that once belonged to Tatiana, the love of Strahd's life. The locket had the power to free the companions from Perovia and narrowly escaping the vampire's wrath. So these are again all kinds of things. This is just brief because I mean we could spend an entire episode talking about Strahd and the history of Strahd. No, yeah, the Strahd character is uh, like there's so much uh, like I said history and mythology yeah. behind them, behind him. Yeah. Uh, that, like, yeah, I mean, like, it's, that's what makes those campaigns, uh, that's what makes that, that adventure, that campaign 
so appealing and, and has been for, for mm-hmm. decades now is, you know, it at the center of it is this really interesting and complex character. Oh, yeah. So that is one of our most infamous vampires. You've got a little history that, you know, when you become a vampire in D&D, you're not just going to be like, oh, I'm a vampire. There is a significant amount of, of history and backstory to Strahd alone. And he's just one of, you know, several infamous vampires, but he is the most infamous vampire oh, in yeah. D&D. Yeah, like I say, he's like, he's like D&D's Dracula. Yeah. So let's hear a little bit about vampires. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was really wanting to talk about Strahd. Oh, no, yeah, like vampire, <laughs> yeah. Strahd's great. Strahd, Strahd is awesome. He's great. Um, But yeah, I mean, like, you know, you're, you know, vampires are are well known mm-hmm. in, in regular mythology, and a lot of that goes into the D&D lore as well. Um, you know, they uh, hate sunlight, um, so none of that twilight, you know, sparkling in the sun business going on here. Uh, no, they don't cast shadows. They don't, um, they can't, you know, they can't see themselves in mirrors, uh, and they drink blood. So like, you know, your basic, you know, sort of vampire mythology carries over into D and D. Um, let's see, uh, you know, during the day they're sleeping in, they're in a coffin or a crypt or in some way, um, and and they're undead, so they don't need to eat or drink or eat, uh, or breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, more like you know, you'll often see uh, vampires doing just that, um, but you know, it's usually just to um, for appearance or maybe just because you know they enjoy the taste. Like maybe they'll have like a like a raw steak or even like a goblet of blood, yeah, red wine. It's for the intimidation factor. No, yeah, exactly, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so like, yeah, like I said, vampires are, uh, more or less, you know, pretty, uh, pretty, uh, like they can be considered like big bats, you know, their challenge rating is 13, but much like the vampire spawn, I think that is a wildly low for, for what a vampire can do. Um, let's see, they, um, they, uh, have uh, the shape changer ability, like, uh, much like a druid has wild shape. Uh, they can uh, change into a tiny bat or a cloud of mist. And, uh, you know, the mist is something that, you know, it provides an easy escape for them. I'm sorry, but every time I heard they could turn into mist, all I could think of was somebody farted. Yeah, I mean, for sure. (laughs) I mean, someone... uh, (laughs) Uh, that's basically all va- uh, vampires are. Is they're just big fart clouds. Fart. They're just a <laughs> spooky, spooky fart. fart cloud. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, but that is every t- when I read that, that's the first thing I thought of. I was like, they can turn into giant fart clouds. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, but I mean, just think if uh, like your your party is walking through a creepy looking mm-hmm. like uh, manor or abandoned mansion. It's kind of foggy. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't necessarily uh, be able to distinguish this uh, spooky fart cloud from the regular <laughs> uh, fog. And then all of a sudden, a vampire shows up you know, out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, when used properly, you know, players like me, the jokester, will still be terrified of these things. 
No, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think of it, all I can think of is this cloud in a room that's not cloudy. But you throw some mist and some fog in this in this room and you have this vampire in its mist-like state. Yeah, that's terrifying. It's not a, it's no longer a scary fart cloud. It's it's a scary cloud. It's a terrifying room. And not only that, but when a uh when a vampire drops down to zero hit points, like if it's if you're if you're in battle, like if it's not like in its coffin or its, you know, crypt or whatever, wherever mm-hmm. it rests, uh if it drops to zero hit points, it automatically uh it transforms into that mist. So mm-hmm. that's how it that's how it uses it as an escape. Um, again, like the vampire spawn, it has regeneration, but instead of twenty or ten hit points regenerated at the beginning of its turn, it regains twenty hit points, and that is just nuts. It's insane. Um. Oh, they have okay. So legendary resistance. So three times a day. Uh, it's it's funny the way that the uh, the monster manual phrases this. It says that the vampire fails a saving throw, it can choose to succeed instead. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like roll a dexterity saving throw. Like oh, it's a seven. Uh, I choose to succeed. Never mind. Like forget that. I choose to succeed. Uh, I love how they wrote easy. it. Easy. Yeah. Right. I am. I'm, I'm, nah, that poison doesn't affect me. Nah, I'm, I'm gonna choose to not do that or. Uh, um, much okay, so like like it's um like the vampire spawn uh uh gets harmed in running water if it ends its turn mm-hmm. in running water, um sunlight uh uh weaknesses. Um also like uh, another sort of um pretty well known bit of vampire mythology is that you can't a uh, vampire can't enter into uh, a home into a house into a place of residence without being invited in yes yes so, that is a huge one and so uh, that's one way uh to sort of like uh tip uh tip your hand as a dm that uh, a character might be a vampire or perhaps even like you know throw a you know, throw a false lead out there. If someone, you know, like, well, aren't you going to invite me in? Like, oh man, that guy wanted to be invited in. He's probably a vampire. Then you go and, you know, attack him and he's just a normal guy who's polite. You know, I actually did that during of course you our, did. yeah, of course I did during our Strahd campaign. Um, they were staying in a hut and I had a stranger approach the hut, knock on the door. They, they greeted him. He brought, he brought gifts. And then he said, well, aren't you going to invite me in? And they slammed the door on his face. <laughs> and they were like, he's a vampire. Because what I had was I had a group of people that were continually metagaming. So I was like, well, right. we're going to stop that metagaming. So then I allowed the simple villager who was actually a paladin, which was what their team was lacking. Um, I let him die to Strahd's wolves outside the door. Nice. Which added kind of a fear effect to the game. And then Strahd knocked. <laughs> so, yeah, if you really want to screw with your players, go that route. <laughs> uh, they have um, so they have several different uh, attacks. Um, they have the unarmed strike, 
which is uh, much like um, the claw attack that the vampire spawn had, mm-hmm. except it's um, it's uh, it's a it's bludgeoning damage rather than slashing damage. Um, they again also have the bite. Uh, rather than a 2d6 of necrotic damage, it's a 3d6 of necrotic damage. Ooh. Uh, same rule applies, you know, whatever uh, amount of necrotic damage the target takes, their maximum hit points lower by that amount. And then also the vampire gains that amount as well to their own hit points. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, it lasts until they the target finishes a long rest. Um it says that uh, the target dies if this effect reduces its hit point maximum to zero. So let's say for whatever reason, uh, they, uh, so 3d6 is 18, total of 18 maximum, right? Yeah. Maybe they've been bitten a couple of times. Or maybe you want to add a, add a little, like you said, add, a, add that element of fear. And have that done to an NPC, like, you know, like a uh, just a regular villager, hit point total fifteen. They get bitten by a vampire, and that uh, that you know that bite takes fifteen. Their mag- uh, turns their maximum hit points into zero, so they automatically die. It says a humanoid slain in this way and then buried in the ground rises the following night as a vampire spawn. Ooh. The big one for me, though, is charm. The charm spell uh, generally is pretty powerful, but used by a vampire is even more is is dangerous. Oh, yeah. Uh, The target must succeed on a DC 17 wisdom saving throw. Yeah. Brutal. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Yeah. 17 wisdom saving throw or they become charmed charmed by the vampire uh the charm target regards the vampire as a trusted friend to be heeded and protected uh, although the target isn't under their control like the spawn is uh it takes the vampire's requests or actions in the most favorable way it can uh and is a willing target for the vampire's bite attack huh so, you know, much, uh, you know, much like, um, like charm, you couldn't use it to, like, if, if a player is charmed, you, you can't tell them like, oh, hey, go ahead and kill yourself. Like, oh, okay, that sounds like a great idea. They'll, they'll, <laughs> they'll protect themselves and they might not necessarily attack their party members. Yeah. But, uh, you know, what's unique about this charm effect is, that the vampire's like, hey, like, let me uh, let me go ahead and bite you. That sounds like a good idea. Like, hey, that does sound like a great idea. Yeah, go ahead and do that. <laughs> I don't see how um, it benefits me, but yeah, I mean, yeah, let's go for it. And so, like, each time the vampire or the vampire's companions do anything harmful to the target, uh, the target can repeat the saving throw, ending the effect on itself when it succeeds. Otherwise, it lasts for 24 hours or until the vampire is destroyed. Um. So that's pretty gnarly. It's pretty brutal. See, this is where in the Strahd campaign, you have one of the party members is controlled or, you know, charmed. And Strahd does nothing with them because it's 24 hours. It lasts up to 24 hours. 
So Strahd doesn't do anything. They're just charmed. So not only do you have the party terrified right now, but you have the player of that character terrified. What's going to happen? No, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't... Uh, if I'm a DM, I just go ahead and, uh, you know, essentially keep uh, that person charmed. Wouldn't mm-hmm. want to attack them. Like, wouldn't want them to get another uh, chance at a saving throw. Yeah. And just keep them like that for, for a day. Oh, yeah. It's it's uh, truly terrifying. And that's that's the aspects when you run these monsters you really want to go for is that truly terrifying aspect. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, another um, uh, you know, uh, perk attack action that they have, you mentioned uh, Strahd's Wolves. Like you use Strahd's Wolves mm-hmm. to, um, to kill the Paladin. Uh, Children of the Night, uh, the vampire can magically call a, a 2D4 swarm of bats or rats uh, you know, bats being just rats with wings. Uh, yep. if you let, let, let Catwoman say it. Uh, <laughs> or uh, if they're outdoors, they can call up 3D6 wolves instead. So they act. So these these uh, creatures, they act as allies of the vampire, obeying its spoken commands, and they remain for an hour. So you don't even necessarily like you come up on a on a vampire you might not even fight that vampire for a good while. Yeah. Because they will, uh, they can uh, send a spawn, a couple of spawns your way. They can send, you know, or they can send the wolves your way or they can send the spawn. And then after if you get past the wolves, they send the spawn. And then you happen to get past the spawn. Like, well, I'm just going to turn to mist and float away. <laughs> <laughs> They're always taking the fun away. <laughs> I mean that's that's how powerful they are that yeah. like, they don't necessarily have to fight you immediately. Oh no. And they usually won't. I mean they will continue to evade 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 and they will try to break you down and separate you so that you are easier prey. Yeah. Uh and then they have legendary actions which uh they can uh, be used uh at the end of another creature's turn, mm-hmm. and it's uh, they can either move, uh, you know, uh, up to its speed, which is uh, thirty feet, uh, without provoking any attacks of opportunity. They can perform one arm, unarmed strike, or they can uh, make one bite attack. So all in all, the vampire ain't one to mess with. Uh, no. <laughs> Truly, truly terrifying stuff, to be honest. The 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 legendary actions go for Strahd, especially. They go much deeper, much further. And I feel like they beef Strahd up to the point where he's almost. Shall we say nigh impossible to beat without completing said campaign. I mean, that's that's why he's. um you know, that's, I mean, when I, when you say like, you know, vampires, mm-hmm. you know, there's a difference between like your average vampire and like a vampire like Dracula. Yeah. You know, there's a difference between a regular vampire in D&D and Strahd. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, like I said, yeah, vampires, like I said, they're, they're not one to mess with, which makes them pretty uh, intriguing and um, 
you know, no pun intended, appetizing <laughs> when it comes to collect uh, selecting a, a player class, play, uh, a player cl- uh, class, uh, you know, or race or whatever. I guess race it would be. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and jump into the middle of the show, and then we'll be, be we'll be back at the end of the, for the second half, and we'll talk about uh, playing as a vampire. All right, let's jump in. Well, here we are, Sergio, in the middle of the show. And you know what we have to do first? What do we have to do? We have to thank our patrons. Thank them then. Oh, our wonderful patrons. Why don't you take the first half and I'll take the second? <laughs> what half what half are we taking? Oh, well, I'll take I'll take the uh I'll just jump in. <laughs> All right. I'll just jump in. You start. <laughs> Uh, well, let's thank our newest patron, uh, Daniel. He is our newest apprentice patron. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for uh, signing up. And uh, Daniel gets uh, ad-free episodes and early episodes. He does. As well as a sticker pack. Uh, they get the shout out. They do. They get um, uh, They get to select. They get to put in uh, topic requests Ooh, that yeah. could be selected. And we haven't gotten one yet. I'm looking forward to what our patrons want as topic requests. Looking forward to getting those mails. <laughs> I mean, like it's if you want to, if you want to learn about something, want want to know more about a D and D subject, then by all means, mm-hmm. like, let let us know. Yes. So who do we have next? Uh, well, that's the, that's our newest patron. Uh, uh, we got. Two scholar patrons, Wolf the Sheepdog and Remington Clotier. Yes. <laughs> I love that name. <laughs> Remington Clot- Clotier. Yes. Yes. I love it. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> uh, and then we have our wizard patrons, uh, Stagger and Stumble and Chris. And Jonathan Sutter, of course. I was going to say, forgot you forgot Jonathan. <laughs> I forgot John- Johnny Yes. <laughs> You forgot Jonathan. Well, we also have our deity patrons. We have two, and these are the people that get to play with us. Uh, we haven't got a chance to play one yet. Everybody's been so busy. Hopefully soon we'll be able to jump in and play our first uh, game. But our two deity patrons are none other than Lupus Malum, and we have Jared Bush. And these... These two wonderful people, uh, all of our patrons are wonderful, um, but these are the two that get to join us, and we get to play uh, D&D once a month, um, and we have some special surprises in store in the future for anybody in this tier um, to be announced if and when. <laughs> yeah, and it's, uh, if you have the, uh, if you're interested in the in the bonuses and the and mm-hmm. the perks and the the merchandise that you get as part of uh, being a patron to the show uh, goes as low as five bucks all the way up to a hundred. You know, we try to make we try to uh, like make it worth your while essentially. Oh yeah, with the, the stuff that uh, the stuff that you get, whether it be uh, like I mentioned earlier, early uh, early uh, episodes you get them a day early or ad free uh, bonus episodes, uh, merchandise like t shirts or stickers. Um, you're able to uh, join us, uh, you know, for the monthly patron chat. Mm-hmm. You're able to play a campaign with us. You're able to um, 
get us to come on to a uh, uh, guest spot on your your own campaign. Yep. If you run one. Um, you can uh, w- we can workshop a campaign setting or a character or an adventure with you. Like you know, we'll sit down and 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 help you uh, figure that out. There's a, there's a lot of cool stuff. You just check out uh, patreon.com slash dndlorecast. So now that we've thanked our patrons, I have something for us this week. <laughs> you always do. <laughs> I do. I do. So this one is not, uh, it's not, it's not terribly, it's exciting, I'll say, but it's not as multitude as the other miniatures. That I've talked about. There's there's only one this week. Uh, there's only okay. one. Uh, so coming out in December, um, since we're talking about vampires and we've talked about this particular vampire a lot during this episode, a lot. They are coming out with a premium version of our boy, and I'm bringing it up on the screen. Our boy Strahd, and this guy looks pretty sick in this particular miniature i i'm digging the bats flying behind him uh the cape bellowing in the wind his i believe it's a long sword it's either long sword or broad sword he's got um, which one is it i don't know <laughs> how dare you not know your I sword know. sir oh i'm terrible i believe it's a i believe it's a long sword i believe it's a long sword um but yeah he's this this premium promo version is is beautiful the bats is the bats really to me the the bats and the background of him really set this whole thing off how do you feel about it uh i mean i love a great looking mini Mm -hmm. uh probably i mean you being the next guy probably not as much as the next guy because you absolutely (laughs) love your minis of course I mean, anything to sort of jazz up or um, enhance gameplay, I'm mm-hmm. always for 100%. Yeah. yeah. Hands down. And I, I I will say, if you get a chance to, I, and I always, I always, 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 always talk about this site. Um, but if you want to dive into and take a look at these, go to minisgallery.com. Um, they always post as soon as they get word of something and they get some some visuals they always post it up in here you can use it as a checklist i have before use it as a checklist to check off those minis that i already have collected and figure out which ones i got to get out of the set to collect them all um but i've also used it to figure out what's coming out next and this is a great way for your um whiz kids or wizards of the coast uh brand miniatures and it's oh, I'm so excited for what's coming up. They, my my pockets are hurting from all the stuff they're coming out this year with miniatures. <laughs> it's a great problem to have, though. It is a great problem. It's a great problem. So there's so much stuff to to great stuff like great uh, merchandise and content to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's and it's always fantastic quality. Always. Wolf's Lore says that's a sexy straw, and it's hard to disagree <laughs> with that statement. It is that very is hard to disagree. One good, I, he doesn't even have the cast charm on me. I'm charmed <laughs> as is. Get out of here with those punny remarks. Get out of here. All right, let's go to the DMG corner. Beow, 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 DMs beow. Guild. 
the DMs Guild is always a fantastic source of um, homebrew mm-hmm. uh, creator, D and D creator content. It's um, like we were actually talking about it on the Discord, the Robots yep. Radio Discord, and the D and D Lorecast uh, channel. Uh, there's like so much cool stuff there, uh, and what I am going to suggest because we're talking about vampires is an adventure uh, called The Vampire Lord of Death Black Keep. Okay. So uh, this is a 113-page campaign-style adventure for D&D 5th edition. Uh, so it includes digital maps that you can use um, for your uh, virtual tabletops, like Roll20. Um, it's also got... Um, uh it's i'm sorry it's it's for uh like six to tenth uh level or so Ooh, okay uh so at the edge of civilization only an alliance with a powerful dragon has allowed the city of Coldbridge to survive so you got the city named Coldbridge, and they've got uh some sort of agreement with a dragon but when the dragon goes missing, how will the city survive amidst a vast wilderness of hostile and hungry monsters? Ooh. The call has gone out. Adventurers are needed. But can even the most stalwart heroes be prepared to face the vampire lord of black of death black keep? And so this is uh this is pay what you want. Uh the suggested price is 250. But uh, so, I mean, it definitely I would definitely recommend paying at least that. But um, but yeah, you can pick it up for very, very cheap mm-hmm. on uh, DMs Guild right now. And I will say the the uh, there's a lot of great creators on the DMs Guild and they charge barely anything for this stuff, barely anything and great content. Um, you You can get anything from character races and classes all the way to like like this a full-fledged campaign um and it's a great way to extend your current campaigns too if you've just completed Strahd or you've just completed you know water deep you know any of these campaign books you're like well now we're at like level 10 level 13 what are we gonna do now this is a great way for you to continue to extend your adventures no yeah i mean like uh one of the reviews states that um they like they just slipped it into their homebrew campaign will mm-hmm. like you know come really easily so you know that's um you know office you know stuff like this and other stuff off of dm's guild uh you can essentially create an entire like level one to 20 campaign with like you know five or six different adventures mm-hmm. and i believe there's even level 20 and beyond campaigns oh um, yeah adventures level stuff absolutely oh yeah so, well, this is another another great find. <laughs> yeah. So, the last thing we should talk about in the middle of the show, Sergio, do you want to give them the details? We are giving away a premium hardcover special edition of mm. the Haunt Trilogy. Speaking of DMs Guild, it's one of the best sellers on the DMs Guild. It's from PB Publishing. It's got The Haunt, The Haunt 2, The Haunt 3. Um, all three of those are fantastic adventures. Um, they can be played individually. They mm-hmm. can be played one after the other. Uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, 
it's um, a really beautiful like hardcover edition of the trilogy uh it's like 60 bucks but it could be yours for free if you win our contest it's really easy to uh enter you actually have three different ways to earn uh a chance to win one of which is following us on on twitch.tv which is uh twitch.tv slash almighty crit or going to our twitter which is twitter.com slash dnd lorecast the pinned tweet right now is the official giveaway tweet. You can either um, retweet that or like that, and that'll be an entry. And uh, the third way to be entered is to go to the aforementioned Robots Radio Discord and go to uh, the D and D Lorecast channel. There is a pinned tw- uh, there's a pinned post on that channel. Uh, just react to that post. Mm-hmm. Put in a little emoji, a heart emoji. Uh, a vampire emoji, whatever kind of emoji you want on there, and you'll also be entered that way. Yes, and this, oh, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it's it's really good. I mean, it it will look perfect uh, on your bookshelf next yep. to all the other like D and D books. Yep, quite. It's it's. I will say it's quite a seamless blend. Um, they yep. did a wonderful job at designing this. Um, PB. PB Publishing, if you're listening, you did fantastic work as always. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm super excited to be able to give this away. I have played it. I've played all three. They're all fantastic, even with the fumbling four crew who constantly likes to wreck things. Uh, They're always <laughs> wrecking things. They always wrecking things. But it was fantastic. It was it was a blast. Um, we played it with the lights on low and candles lit and it was all spooky atmosphere and spooky music going and it was fantastic, but it is a really good, good series. Um, I'm excited for this giveaway. I'm excited for whoever wins this to share with us what they do with it from here. Oh yeah. Definitely. If you win, definitely keep us posted on, uh, on, um, you know, how the, uh, how the camp, how the, you know, the play goes, uh, or maybe you're you're like me and you'll just uh, keep it on a bookshelf because you're addicted to buying uh, tabletop role playing uh, rule books. How dare you! <laughs> it's a good addiction I have. I'm sorry. I'm not actually. I'm not sorry about it. To the end of the show. <laughs> to the end of the show. You heard the scream. Ooh. Wilhelm. Wilhelm. We are uh, at the so, end of the show. <laughs> so the second half of the show, we promised you some tips on how to play a vampire. Um, you know, there uh, obviously there. You don't want to be a vampire. <laughs> don't even open that door. Thank you for listening to the D and D Uh No, there are uh, aside from homebrew, of which you know, like you can. Um, do it you can do it yourself from mm-hmm. scratch yep. you can seek guidance on stuff like uh wiki.com or rpgbot.com uh though there are actually uh two um i guess like somewhat sanctioned uh ways to play that we're going to discuss uh first of which is it's actually a um magic the gathering um, uh, setting that mm-hmm. is compatible with D and D. You know, obviously they're they're both uh, Wizards of the Coast properties. Yeah, and you know, um, starting with 
um the uh what is it the the, the, the greek odyssey uh mythic and, odysseys uh, mythic odysseys, mythic odysseys yep. and uh and then we're, we got Strixhaven coming up uh yep. magic the gathering um sort of ip sort of like you know find their way into D pretty seamlessly i would say um and this is one of them it's uh plane shift zendikar and and this is actually a free pdf that you can get from wizards uh that we'll, we'll link it to it in the show notes, but uh, they have a vampire race that is somewhat different from the uh, the core, like the 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 the, the tried and true, uh, more more well known vampires that we were discussing in the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this setting, you know, vampires um, like aren't undead creatures. Uh, it's more of an illness. It's more of like a disease yeah. that they suffer from. Um, so born in ancient servitude and bred to a life of decadent corruption, the vampires of Zendikar feed on the energy in the blood of living creatures and energy that is particularly strong in times of terror and pain. So like I said, these vampires, they're not undead, rather their unique nature comes from an eldritch disease that turns their flesh cold and makes their gray or purple skin feel dead to the touch and also enables them to uh like to you know to drain to suck out the magic that is in the life force that is in blood mm-hmm. from uh from a creature um so playing as one of these characters your intelligence increases by one and your charisma increases by two. So thing, you know, like obviously, like, you know, uh, vampire is supposed to be that very suave, seductive sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, charismatic mm-hmm. uh, character. So you've got a plus two on charisma to begin with. Yeah. Um, basic uh, size and uh, speed, medium, 30 feet. You have dark vision. Uh, you have resistance to necrotic damage. And uh, you have bloodthirst, which is you drain blood and life energy from a willing creature or one that is grappled by you, incapacitated or restrained. Make a melee attack against that target. And if you hit, you deal one piercing damage and one D6 necrotic damage. Uh, The target's hit point maximum is reduced by the amount equal to the necrotic damage. So it's very similar to the like what we're talking about earlier with the bites. Uh, and then you regain those, uh, you regain those, uh, that amount of hit points. So mm-hmm. the exact same as what we talked about before. Um, and again, this, the, re- the reduction only lasts until, uh, or lasts until the uh, target takes a long rest. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's a very, uh, simple and easy way to play as a vampire, like immediately, like just take, I mean, this is, um, you know, sometimes the problem with uh, homebrew is that it is OP. Like you just you want to make something so badass that you yep. know, at level one you're just wrecking shop. Yeah. Or you 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 overcorrect to the opposite end, and you uh, you don't give your your character you don't give the class or the race enough for fear that you're going to make it OP uh, because this has already been play tested and you know, essentially wizard wizards approved, you know, this is something that you can use immediately at level one without having to tinker around with it. I mean, obviously you can, you can, you can tinker, 
based yeah. on what you want to do in your campaign or your adventure. Um, but if you're worried about making a making a uh, a fair character, you you can't go wrong with this. Oh yeah, yeah. It. I like it for the mere fact that it's play tested. I do not like it when compared to the the original monster class in 5e. Yeah. I feel like it takes away a lot of things and a lot of aspects of it. Um, but as a playable race, I feel like it's it's more doable and in all honesty. Um, it's a lot less work for the DM. Yeah. You know, which is which is always good for me. <laughs> oh yeah. It's always good for me. Uh, if you're DMing, yeah, like less yeah. the better. Yeah. But on that same note, it's also not one of these things where you have to go through your your players are ready to roll. They've been ready to rock for weeks. And we're sitting down and you've made this homebrew class and you've got to sit here and play test it and play test it and play test it. And oh, this is too OP. We need to dumb that down. Or oh, that's not good enough. We need to bring it up. You don't have to mess with it. You know, this is a tried true method, like you said. It's ready to go. It's not. It's not half bad. It's not half bad. It, you know, you can always tinker with things instead of you know draining life force. You can always go back to the original. Well, you you, you got to bite and drink. Yeah. yeah. You know, minor things that are to me the core essence of a D and D vampire or vampire in general. It's easily tweaked. It's not. It's not a deal breaker with this race. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm in love with this one. You're in love. He's, he's I'm in love. love. I'm in love. Uh, not not alone though. You know, I I would tweak it. I'm not gonna lie. I would tweak it. But it's, no, I mean, it's a good like, one. And and as um, as you level up, you're gonna have to add stuff because yeah. it doesn't give too. I mean, this is like I said, starting off level one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to have to in um, you know, uh. Based, I mean, work with the player. Yeah. Uh, say they want to have a spell casting vampire. We'll go ahead and and you're going to have to sort of uh, homebrew um, some spell casting elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to be sort of like a like a rogue or a ranger. Well, then you know, incorporate some of uh, those elements of that class mm-hmm. into this. Yeah. Um, and don't be afraid to look at the homebrew races and classes and things in the Dungeon Masters Guild. I just typed in vampire and I'm telling you right now, I got pages upon pages yeah. of homebrew material for it. Tons of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, you can always look through, that's a great thing with the dungeon masters guild too, is you can look through the comments and see what people have said. And the creators are always responding. They're always I mean, responding. At least they should be. Yeah, yeah. At least they yeah. absolutely should be. Uh, and then subsequently, uh, updating and mm-hmm. changing yep. that as well. And, um, but, uh, so, that's a vampire. That or that's one version of a vampire. Mm-hmm. Unearth Arcana, and I'll we'll also link to this in the in the uh, show notes as well as I'm linking to it live in the uh, Twitch chat. Is the Dampier, which is a half vampire. Yep. So the Dampier is cool. Uh, it says poised between the worlds of the living and the dead. Dampiers retain their grip on life, yet are endlessly tested by vicious hungers. Their ties to the undead grant Dampiers a taste of a vampire's deathless prowess in the form of increased speed, dark vision, and life-draining bite. Um, however, with unique insights into the nature of the undead, uh, 
many of them like turn to as like sort of like blade you know they become monster hunters yep they become vampire hunters uh some seek danger others pursue revenge against whatever turned them into a dampier uh but yeah i mean it's it's almost exactly like blade and that's why they're my favorite (laughs) if you've ever seen the movie blade uh starring uh, Wesley Snipes, and then uh, they're making a new one as well coming up soon. Yes. Uh, then you know exactly what we're talking about. It's a, it's a vampire. It's a like half vampire, mm-hmm. vampire hunter. Yep. So these are cool. Um, the Earth Unearthed Arcana. You can uh, you can roll for uh, different hungers. You can roll for different origins. Um, Again, they have the uh, the same sort of vampiric fight where you uh, regain the hit points. They lose the hit points. Um, actually, and another uh, tweak to it is that you gain a bonus to the next ability check or attack roll that you make. Mm-hmm. And the bonus is equal to the damage dealt by the bite, which to me, that's that's nuts. Yeah. I mean, so you could <laughs> event, you could almost like get into this, like, uh, you know, with decent enough roll, you can get into this perpetual cycle of just like fighting and attacking, fighting yes. and attacking. Yes. Yes. That is the point. <laughs> but, uh, and this is, um, and you can also find more information on this. Like, this is sort of like unofficially official. You know, it's UA, it's Unearthed Arcana stuff. Mm-hmm. But you can find more information on Dampiers in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Yep. Um, it's it's a super freaking cool race. I mean, I can't I can't lie. Like, you know, the idea of like a blade like character in D and D. I mean, you're a you're a huge fan of like sword play. So yep. yeah, I could see I could see that totally being you know up your alley. Uh, yeah, it's definitely up my alley. Well, if if I ever get the chance to play again. As a player, definitely doing this one. <laughs> De- easily, easily number one on my top ten need to play list. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, vampires as uh, enemies mm-hmm. got to be careful. Yep, vampires as uh, player characters, awesome. Yes, vampires all <laughs> vampires all around are you know are are pretty cool in D&D. Yes. I mean, they have been a personal favorite of mine as a monster and a playable race forever. And it is because they are so, shall we say, moldable and usable. They can be manipulated in almost any situation. It's fantastic. Regan says to uh, play an unarmed grappler type vampire. Grapple and bite. Grapple and bite. Like, yeah, like a monk <laughs> vampire. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, but we're coming to the end of the show. And now it's time for magical items. Yes. yes. What do you got for us? Okay. I bring you two. I spoil you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're going to follow along with the original ones that I brought out with our little monster hunter kit. Do you remember those two? Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. So we're going to follow along with that. Our, we're going to help our, our spoopy, spoopy hunters this month. We're going to help them get some more equipment in their satchel of everything. So I present to you a mirror of truth seeing. 
Hmm. Yes. Okay. That S- seems interesting. Yes. So here's the thing. Here, there's there's a couple catches with this. So the first thing it can do is that once per day you can utilize it on any creature and basically it works in the same way that mirrors do in old mythology for vampires. If it doesn't have a reflection, it is a vampire. Yep. yep. If, if it does have a reflection, it's not. Now this only functions once per day. Now the reason being is because once it's been utilized, if a vampire is found, you can then use the mirror to do an additional 10d6 you ready for this? Radiant damage. Wow. That is a lot of sun. Now if you do this, the mirror is permanently broken and cannot be repaired. That is the catch. Might want to try to use that as a killing blow. Yes. Yeah. So you can use it as many times as you want to discover the vampire once per day, obviously. But when a vampire is found it will not show reflections at all and it only right. has the ability to deal that saw uh, that radiant damage so that's our first mirror or our first object our second object since we're on the vampire kick we have a stake of homing stake of homing a stake of homing oh homing okay <laughs> not homies <laughs> So this is going to work. It, it, it's, it almost works as, as the way it sounds. So you can use this item up to three times a day. When utilized, it will take your full round action. So that'll take your action and bonus action to utilize. Your action is utilized to use the weapon. The bonus action is used to control it's flight pattern. Okay. So it's not really homing. You have to roll a concentration. So the way it'll work is you roll an attack. If you hit, you will throw the stake. You will then be mandated to roll a concentration check. If you pass said concentration check, it will immediately hit the target for an auto crit. Oh, okay. Now this can be done three times a day. Now it doesn't, and it does not have to be against a vampire. It can be utilized against any creature. I mean, it is, yeah, it is a, a sharp wooden stake. Yeah, exactly. To, uh, the chest, I guess. Exactly. So right. it will, it'll do the same amount of damage as a dagger, but it will auto crit. Now, when you say three times a day, do you mean sun up to sundown? Sun up to sundown. So three times okay. per day, uh, 24 hour period, essentially. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it is, is it a rolling three times a day? yes I would say no because then you could essentially use it six times in a row what do you mean well I mean like let's say that you used it for you know three times Mm -hmm. so then then a 24 hour period comes up you know goes through let's say you use it right use it three times again before that 24 hour period ends and then it ends, and then you can start it again right after. If you catch my meaning. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, but I'd it's say a, sun up to sundown. 
I, I, you know what? I can agree with that. I can agree with that. We don't need cheaters. <laughs> we don't need cheaters. I think that's how I think. I think like a cheater, apparently. Uh, no, Not I'm mad scared. at you. <laughs> you call it like you see it. Uh, so, yeah. No, I can agree. Sun up, sundown. So three times per day, you can use this. It does the same amount of damage as a dagger, but it auto crits. Um, once that's done, it just becomes a normal wooden stake. So... There are your two magical items for today. Excellent. Mm-hmm. I like it. Well, thank you so much for listening to us talk about vampires for about an hour. <laughs> uh, I can't believe that I actually get to do this. So thank you so much. Um, like I said, if you uh, want to help us out and uh, to try to make this show even better than it already is, and it's damn near perfect in my opinion, in my ha, own ha, ha. opinion. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you can check us out on... Uh, patreon.com slash dnd lorecast and uh, support us uh, mm-hmm. as low as five bucks a month all the way up to 100 you know tons of stuff um that um i we feel is definitely definitely makes it worth your while yeah uh, you can find us all over the internet uh, if you go to linktree uh slash dnd lorecast you find links to all of our uh, you know social media uh twitter uh twitch uh discord all that stuff uh for me personally um, I also co-host Fandom University, which is um, a podcast that I do with my best friend, Sean Hamill. We talk about all sorts of different like nerdy like um, genre stuff um, in a more um, like we take a like a like a deeper look into it, like uh, about the subtext and like the meanings behind things. Um, you know, so anyway, that's that's a lot of fun. We just finished up talking about the uh, about Michael Myers and Lori Strode finishing up talking about the Halloween kills movie. Uh, and then uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll be talking about the Eternals. Ooh, I'm excited for that one. I am excited for the Eternals. And well, yeah, it's, we decided to do it one because um, the show, the, the movie's coming out, but mm-hmm. also that's um, as many comics, as much of a comic book fan as I am, I've never really gotten into that. And so I'm reading this stuff for the first time and just trying to figure out like piece together exactly like what about this concept you know, made Disney say like, yeah, make a movie about it. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, money. That's good. the that's the only well, thing I mean, about that concept that Disney said money. Well, We're not going to yeah, get into but, this. We're not going to get but into this. No, I mean, like, <laughs> but what about it? Like, you know, equal dollar signs to Disney. That's interesting to me. Hmm. I'm going to I'm definitely going to have to listen. Definitely going to have to listen. Like I don't already. <laughs> you, uh, do you have another podcast or two or three or eight? I've got <laughs> or eight. <laughs> So, yes, um, we have uh, our other D&D podcast. It's a D&D live play, 5e. Um, it is the, called The Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit. It is where a cast of four uh, individuals, the fumblers, uh, manage to fumble their way through adventures, all homebrew, all designed. Um, and we use some elements from the Dungeon Master's Guild. We have a second podcast, which is Call of Cthulhu Mythos Mysteries, where we live play Call of Cthulhu 7E. Um, and I actually play in that one. Um, we have, oh goodness, we have Cyberpunked. That's Cyberpunk apostrophe D. It is a Cyberpunk Red live play. Um, what else do we have? We have the Resident Evil lore cast. Um, where we discuss Resident Evil and we're trying to keep it in order so we can itemize this timeline and figure things out 
and separate canon from non-canon. We're we're trying our best, <laughs> but that's a good listen as well. Yeah, um, the Resident Evil lore. I mean, I'm a huge fan. That that was actually Resident Evil was the first arc that Fandom University yes. did. Yeah, and so you know that's been a, a personal favorite of mine. Yeah, the uh, you guys did a really good job at that arc too. I will say. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. So what else? I'm trying to think. We got so many on. Uh, oh, on the 25th of this month, we are releasing Avatar, The Last Airbender, TTRPG, Live Play. And is that Avatar- was yeah, that was a wildly, wildly <laughs> successful Kickstarter. Yes, um, that yes. I think that uh, everyone. And their mama uh, <laughs> contributed to. I know I did. Yes, yes. Uh, and I can't wait to get my stuff. I, I was, I was, I was a lay contributor, uh, so I don't know if that I'm, I don't know that I'm getting my stuff until uh, the beginning of next year. But yeah, super excited for that too because it looks immaculate. It does. It does. Me. There's a ton of us on the Discord that have thrown money at them and said, "Shut up, take our money." Uh, <laughs> uh, Wolf, uh, Wolf's lore. Uh, I couldn't remember exactly how much they made. Wolf's lore in the chat uh, confirmed it. It was nine point five million dollars. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Um, but it's it's from what we've got to run the game, the early start stuff. Uh, it's it's really good. It's really solid. Um, the show that's coming out for that is going to be titled Avatar Legends: Journey of the Elements. And we're going to be nice. doing that one. Fancy. And then we have a very special across all of our um, all of our shows. We are going to be releasing a very special, um, shall we say, hinting episode at what is to come next from our cast and crew. We're going to be playing another secret game, another surprise, um, and that will be coming out. The weekend of Halloween across all of our shows. I don't like surprises. Just tell me. Nope. So you got to wait. <laughs> Dang it. And then gotcha. we have yet another surprise series that will be coming out next month. And then we're going to slow our roll for a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. But yes, that is I, what we got coming from us. That's a lot. A half, it's a laundry a list. Dozen, a half dozen shows. <laughs> is. I mean, come on. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, Wolf's in chat asked if it was related to this episode in some secret way. I will neither confirm nor deny this. That means yes. <laughs> but that on that uh-huh. note, we should, I think we should bid uh, all our listeners adieu. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Uh, join us next week. We will be discussing Fizbin's treasury of dragons the brand new book coming yes. out uh next tuesday we'll spend we'll get it on tuesday we'll spend 48 hours devouring it so that we can talk about it and give you all the all the good the bad and the ugly about it yes i'm excited i'm excited <laughs> but um for um like early reviews like the like the the big the big bads like you know your uh uh, comicbookresource.com uh, your polygons mm-hmm. yep. uh, they're all like raving about it they're all saying that it's really really good so I can't wait to pick it up next week and, and figure it out for myself right well on that note thanks everybody for listening 
and we hope to join you. Have, have you join us? Join us next week. And join you. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll join you too. We'll all just <laughs> join each other. All right. We'll see y'all later. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DNDLorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.